Cougar Nation, and welcome to the newest episode of Shut Up and Jimmer. I'm your fearless co-host, Robbie McCombs, joined today by our pleasure to have Phil Hyatt here, our fearless intern. Phil, welcome to Shut Up and Jimmer. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's sad that Steve is feeling under the weather and can't join us, but I'm happy and willing to to come off the bench, so to speak. Yeah, I know. Steve, uh, he left us high and dry tonight. Uh, he got <laughs> a little bit sick. He's a little bit under the weather. But uh, yeah, we've it's been kind of a last couple of weeks. We apologize that we haven't recorded in a little while. It's just been a little bit busy times in our lives. But, you know, we're back right in the stretch run, right when the conference tournament's about to start. So yeah, we're excited. And I guess before we get into things, I mean, you've already made it this far in the season. I mean, you already it's... March 7th, March 8th, I guess, when this episode comes out. So, I mean, if you haven't subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all other of your podcast platforms, so subscribe, rate, review. It really helps us. So, yeah, do those things. Tell your friends about it. But, yeah, we're excited. We'll get into the show. Um, so, I guess it's been a couple weeks since we recorded. So, I guess we'll kind of start into some of the news for this week. So, first, uh, the All-West Coast Conference honors, those were released uh, this week, those came out. And uh, BYU, not too many surprises what we saw on there. I mean, a little bit, we'll get into that. Um, Yoli Childs, no surprise there at all. He was first team all WCC. Um, uh, Rui Hachimura was the WCC player of the year. Gonzaga pretty much swept all the individual awards. But yeah, Yoli was first team all WCC. You know, TJ Haas, he was second team all WCC, which I think a little bit of surprise. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then Gavin Baxter, which I think is awesome. He was recognized for as the all all conference freshman team. So those were the three BYU men's players that made the team. So I guess first, uh, Phil, what are some of your general thoughts? I guess the big conversation that's been going on in the BYU circles is was TJ Haas snub? Should he have been first team? So I guess let's start with that. Phil, what do you think? Is was TJ was TJ snub? Should he have been first team all conference? Uh, the short answer is yes. He definitely should have been the first first team all uh-huh. conference. Um, I'm not really sure. You know, it's voted on by the coaches, and the coaches can't yeah. they can't vote for their own players. So obviously, not going to vote from Dave Rose. But you know, looking at his uh-huh. averages, he's averaging 18 points a game, five assists a game, um, and three and a half rebounds a game. I like those are, especially when there are ten players on the first team all conference, you would expect a player of that caliber to make it. And you know, looking at some of the players that kind of that got in ahead of him, it's mm-hmm. kind of scary. Like, how does not trying to be too mean, but how does James Bateman make first team ahead of T.J. Haas? Um, he's you mm-hmm. know a senior guard from LMU and. Yeah, he's fine, but if you go look at the head-to-head, when LMU played in Prova at the Merit Center, he had zero points. It was like over, he was over eight shooting in that game, and it's just I was yeah. I was surprised when I saw that he was in ahead of TJ. For sure, no, I think I think that's a good point. I, I will say this: I I think you're right. I think TJ should have been first team All Conference was. Just the improvement from his junior to sophomore year, TJ was better pretty much all across the board. Shooting percentages, points, assists, assist to turnover ratio, all across the board. I think TJ is one of the best point guards out West. 
But um, I will say this, um, James Bateman, I think the reason he made it, because like you said, TJ does average more points, assists, rebounds, his shooting percentages are across the board are better than Bateman. Um, one thing TJ does have going for him, LMU's plays one of the s- slowest paces in the nation, and BYU obviously plays one of the fastest. So those numbers will be a little bit inflated. But I mean, James Bateman's probably the best perimeter defender in the WCC. So I think that would got a little bit lost by some of the chatter I saw in BYU circles that, I mean, James Bateman's definitely a better defender than TJ Haas. And I think yeah. you always miss the case, Colby Ross from Pepperdine. Yeah, he's a re- Col- uh, Colby Ross is a really good guard from Pepperdine. I think TJ had a better case to make over him. But I mean, overall, TJ definitely should have been on the first team. I think he should have been over James Bateman and Colby Ross. But I mean, at the end of the day, who knows? Maybe that will give TJ something to look forward to, something to motivate him in the conference tournament. Yeah. Um, you know, I love BYU. I love TJ, but it's not that difficult to be a uh-huh. better defender than TJ. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's definitely got some work to do on that. I mean, he has his lapses, but I mean, offensively, you oh, can't, you can't yeah. fault him at all. He's an awesome and offensive he was player. Probably, you know, along with Yoli, he was BYU's most consi- consistent player and he was, even in the games mm-hmm. that we were, you know, toasted, he always was able to find ways to score and carry the team as well as he could. Totally. Yeah, I think that's a good point when you mentioned about the consistency. I think more than anything, what we really lack in TJ his sophomore, just his lack of consistency. And this year, what I really liked, even that he scored a lot, but even the nights when he wasn't scoring, you could always count on TJ to... Um, is to distribute the ball. He seems like he had a lot of nights. Maybe he had only had 10 points, but he dished out six or seven assists and have one turnover. So now that, because last year he kind of split the point guard duties with Jashir. This year he fully took that from Jashir. I mean, part of obviously the end of the year, Jashir was was hurt and sat out. But with TJ running, that's when TJ's best, when he's running the point guard, when the tempo's quick, because last year the tempo wasn't very quick. It was a lot of half court. Um, that's when TJ has best when the ball's in his hands. So, I mean, that definitely helped him. I think that consistency was really good. And I guess one more thing I'll touch on obviously, uh, with Gavin Baxter. I mean, I think this, the fact that Gavin Baxter made all freshman team, despite the fact that he started less of the conference games, just speaks to the fact how much he's respected by coaches. I mean, there's there's not a ton of, obviously, a ton of like blue chip freshmen in the WCC. But the fact that the coaches still picked Gavin as the all freshman team, despite the fact that he started less than half the conference games, um, really speaks volumes to his, to what not only what he did this season, but the potential of him moving forward. So, I mean, even if Yoli leaves, which I think Yoli's going to leave, I mean, it's not for sure, but I think that potential, it's really exciting to look forward to what Gavin could do, especially alongside TJ this up, this upcoming year. So, I mean, overall, those are kind of my thoughts on the all conference team. And then um, I guess one more thing, um, kind of newsworthy. Um, this past week was a sign that BYU is going to add a new player to the next season's roster to 2019-2020. Um, Taylor Miller, he's a just guy that got off his mission. He went on his mission to North Carolina. Um, before his mission, he was at SUU signee, so he was going to go to SUU. Um, he went to high school in Las Vegas at Palo Verde. Um, so I grew up in Las Vegas and it just wasn't too far away from Palo Verde. They have really good sports teams. And um, he was, so there, Palo Verde is one of the top sports teams in, in Nevada. 
And um, he, uh, as a senior in the 2015-2016 season, he led Nevada, the state of Nevada in scoring with 27 points per game, which is a really good feat. I mean, Las Vegas and Reno, they both produce a lot of good Division One college basketball players. So, man, the fact, um, I talked to Taylor a little bit. He said he's he'll be a redshirt freshman next year. So he got home from his mission in December, enrolled at school this past January. So he's been practicing the, with the team this semester. He's been in the practice squad and redshirting, kind of like what Colby Lee did last year. And then he'll be a walk-on next year. So um, he won't take a scholarship away. So, I mean, so the, for a guy that you could get like this, you get as a walk-on. I and mean, you look at his highlights, the dude, the dude's not afraid to shoot. The dude casts from deep. He kind of, I mean, he just, a lot of his, you look at his highlights, a lot of his highlights, it's not really in the flow of the offense. He kind of just dribbles down, just pulls up and casts from like NBA range. He's got some hops too. I mean, he's there's a couple of his highlights. He finishes alley-oops. He gets above the rim and finishes putbacks. So, I mean, for a walk-on, I think um, he's a really good signing. So, I mean, I mean, he's a walk-on, so you don't expect a walk-on basketball player to have a huge impact. I mean, McKay Cannon, he was a walk-on. He's starting right now. But, I mean, for to get this type of player as a walk-on with his scoring ability, I think it's going to be a, a good add for next year and in future years. Um, yeah. yeah. Do you have any additional additional thoughts on the Miller edition, Phil? Yeah, um, I just want to kind of add to what you said, you know, with him being able to finish around the rim and, you know, get up. He's 6'2". So, you know, he's not terribly tall and so mm-hmm. so for him to be able to get up like that shows you know how yeah. good of an athlete he is and we will never complain about byu getting more athletes on their team it seems to be one of their you know biggest struggles in their recruiting is to get solid athletes but you know having him and then you know jesse yeah. wade will be available next year you know adds a lot of just adds more bodies to the mm-hmm. backcourt um, and I was going to ask you, you know, you mentioned that he's going to be a walk-on next year because won't take up a scholarship. Is that just simply because mm-hmm. all the scholarships are already taken for next year, or is his talent level slightly below that of the scholarship level? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think it's kind of a combination. I mean, he wasn't super highly recruited out of high school, I think, partly because he didn't have any social media before his mission. I mean, he, he doesn't have a Twitter and he just got an Instagram right and he got off his mission. So he did fly under the radar a little bit. Um, I mean, he kind of, I mean, people knew his name by his senior year because he led the state in Nevada in scoring. But I mean, the fact he only got an offer from SUU coming out. So I mean, part of it, I think he, he's a type of guy that maybe you use that 13, 12th, 13th scholarship on. But I think yeah, there really is no available bodies for him. I mean, next year, you know, you, you're not going to lose Luke. He's gone. Um, McKay, he has, he's on scholarship this year. He's gone. So that's two scholarships gone. Jashir's probably going to transfer. That's three. I think Ryland could transfer. That's four. And if you count, you only leave him. That's five. But I mean, you add Jesse Wade, you add Trevin Neal, um, a few other bodies. I mean, I think a lot of it's just kind of a scholarship crunch that there's not a ton of spots for him. So, I mean, and then you add Shang Lee and Bernardo De Silva next year, too, for incoming freshmen. So, I think, yeah, I think BYU really had a spot for him, but I think part of it, too, they kind of want to maybe, I think that kind of the idea is, hey, come in for a year. If you earn your scholarship, we'll give it to you, just like you did with um, with uh, uh, McKay Cannon. And the fact that he's LDS, I mean, it's really cheap to go to BYU, obviously. <laughs> I think that was kind of the appeal for him, like, hey, yeah, maybe I'll go to BYU, earn my, pay my way for a couple of years, and then earn a scholarship. Yeah. So, and. I think overall that's kind of what it came right. down to. And one last thing about you know about Taylor Miller is that he was a nominee for McDonald's All American, and that kind of yeah. is a testament to 
you know, the talent that he does have and the potential he has, cause, you know, McDonald's All-Americans are taken out by, you know, the Zion Williamson's and the Cam Reddish's of the world. And to even be nominated for that is a high honor. And so that paired with, you mentioned 27 points per game at senior year. That's a lot, you know, especially in high school when there, where there's no shot clock and teams are able to hold, just hold on to the ball. Him being able to score 27 points is that's that's huge, and I'm excited to see that in BYU's backcourt next year. Yeah, totally. I mean, he's not a guy that you expect maybe to even start during his career, but I mean, his, any production you could get from him, I mean, if he's a guy that could kind of be just a scoring threat off the bench, give you maybe by his junior, senior year, he maybe plays 12 to 15 minutes a night, and he's good to make a, a, th- a couple of threes here and there, just a guy that could get hot. I mean, that's what you expect from him anymore. I think that's icing. So, yeah, and then I guess one more recruiting note before we move on. Uh, Phil, did you see the 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 video that went viral on social media of the little one-year-old uh, BYU fan that was, like, dunking on, like, the little hoop? Yeah. Did, did you uh, see that video? Yeah, I, I did <laughs> see that. It was awesome. Yeah, I know that was awesome. That guy, he, so that's Connor Harding's nephew. Um, his so the the kid, I think he just turned two. His name's Mana. Um, his his mom is Connor Connor Harding's sister. So kind of a small world. It's like that video had hundreds of thousands of retweets, like millions of views. And the little kid's a BYU fan. So recruiting wise, BYU needs to offer Mana a scholarship for the twenty thirty seven recruiting <laughs> class. I mean, what's the holdup? I mean, come on. That that kid was like pulling up like I've never seen a one year old like or two year old I guess like have that kind of form on a shot. He was actually shooting actual basketball shots. So I mean, yeah, that's some other recruiting news I just want to throw out there. That was <laughs> that, that was pretty amazing what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, but um, so yeah, that's kind of some of the recruiting news. I think that's I mean Taylor Mill. It's kind of it's not. I, mean, I think he could be a player down the road to so something to keep an eye on for next year. Um. Kind of shifting gears a little bit, um, Phil. So obviously, regular season's over. We're about this podcast will come out Friday, so I guess tomorrow, BYU will be starting the WCC tournament. So I guess we kind of we kind of look ahead, kind of preview the conference tournament. Um, I don't think we'll touch on May San Diego a bit, but I kind of just want to get some of our thoughts, general thoughts on the regular season. Um, I'll throw it to you first. But I mean, it was it's interesting regular season. I mean, there's some good things, but I mean. We know BYU is not going to be an at-large team, so I don't think it's the season most BYU fans hope for. So I guess I'll kind of throw it to you first, Phil. What are kind of some of your general thoughts, good things, bad things, things in between of your thoughts on the regular season? Uh, yeah, I think for me, one of the biggest positives from this year was that BYU did not lose to a WCC team ranked lower than them. Um, the only WCC losses that BYU had mm-hmm. this year were to Gonzaga, St. Mary's in San Francisco, and normally in the past couple of years, especially BYU has lost games to the teams like Pepperdine, Santa Clara, even Portland. And so, to not lose those games, to win the games that you're supposed to, um, I think was a big step up for the program and some that I was impressed with this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another huge thing for me, you know, doesn't matter what sport, but you you need to beat your rivals and. BYU was able to do that this year with Utah. Um, yeah. And yes, Utah is still BYU basketball's rival. I know a lot of people like to think that Gonzaga is their big rival now. I'm starting to lean towards mm-hmm. that way, but you should never 
lose to Utah if you're BYU. And uh, for them to be able to go up to the Vivint Arena and you know beat Utah as handily as they did, that was a that was a big plus I think for the season, especially totally. in my eyes. Um, I was I was able to go to that game and just to watch BYU perform and um, outperform their rivals as much as they did. That was a huge bonus for me. Some of the things that I wasn't necessarily impressed with this year were the losses early on in the regular season that really kind of lost us our chance for an at-large bid. And these were the two teams that we could have been able to beat, especially Illinois State, Weber State, and UNLV. Those those losses, especially now at the end of the season, they're not very good. And we were in all of those games. We could have could have won all three of those games. And if we had, that really would have helped us with our with our chances at a postseason and especially in the NCAA tournament. And just the last thing that I noticed this year that I kind of kind of rubbed me the wrong way, I guess you could say, is the the length it took for BOU coaching staff to make changes that felt obvious to a lot of people. And, you know, specifically we can talk about the decision to start Worthington as long as they did in, until they began to st- start Gavin Baxter. Um, I love Luke Worthington. I think, you know, he's a great guy. But it was very clear from an early stage that Gavin Baxter was the better basketball player. And it's a it's a great that they, you know, are starting him now. I just, I wish that decision would have come earlier on in the season. Um, that was one of the, the negatives that kind of stuck out to me. But other than that, it was a pretty two-form season. You kind of, you, they the team performed as about as well as you could have expected them to in my eyes. Yeah, no, I think I pretty much see it the same way. I mean, it is frustrating though in a lot of ways because this is this is really the first season since BYU in the West Coast Conference that they haven't had any losses to subpar teams, which I mean, if you have that, like, oh, okay, BYU should at least be in, in the bubble conversation. But I mean, BYU didn't beat Gonzaga, so they didn't have that quality win, but you didn't don't expect to beat Gonzaga and they got swept by San Francisco but I mean you didn't have any poor losses in WCC place I mean considering how good Gonzaga is that's about as good as you can expect but I mean yeah you hit the nail on the head that it was the non-conference slate that really killed BYU um but I mean BYU Utah State turned out to be way better than we thought I mean right now Utah State is a quadrant one win for BYU their top 30 in the net so I mean that was and BYU beat them by about 20 so I mean that was an awesome win for BYU. Beat Utah, beat UVU, took care of those in-state teams. So yeah, but just yeah, those non some of those non-conference losses were killer. I mean, Illinois State, Weber State, UNLV. That trio is just 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 uh, a weight. And BYU went eight and seven in conference play, and there was no way BYU was going to overcome that with at least another win over San Francisco and a win over Gonzaga. So I mean, overall that was disappointing, and then. I agree with you on the Gavin Baxter thing. He no doubt should have been starting earlier. Um, I think part of it was, I don't think I, he wasn't ready right out of the gate to get big minutes right away. Conditioning wise. I mean, just getting right off his mission in May. Um, but I think when he did start, I mean, end of January, that's when he really started getting minutes, but we saw some great glimpses in non-conference play, but yeah, I would, it'd be nice. Even if he wasn't quite ready in like December, November, I think he still should have got a few more minutes, just more minutes, just because, I mean, what do you have to lose at that point? So, I mean, it was really up and down regular season. I mean, we'll, 
on our last episode, we'll really dive into kind of the nitty gritty on the regular season and where this leaves BYU as a whole as a program. But I'd say overall, I think every fan wants more. We want it, especially with guys like Yoli and TJ, with two really good talents. I mean, it's sad that those guys probably may never play in the NCAA tournament. So overall, it was a lackluster year. BYU may go to the NIT, which I mean, which is we could kind of transition to next. But I mean, before we kind of transition to looking ahead, I mean, we'll touch real quick on last week. So BYU, um, it seems like a while ago, BYU did beat San Diego. I'd say it's kind of pretty ho-hum victory, nothing super big to speak of. I mean, you only did a thing at the double-double. TJ had 26 points. The one thing that really stuck out to me was Nick Emery. He had he had 15 points. So, I mean, well, this will kind of be our next segue, I guess. Um, so, I mean, yeah, but, I mean yeah, that's something to watch in the WCC tournament. If Nick could kind of go back to that freshman or even sophomore year form where he's putting up big points like he did and a real scoring threat, I mean, that's something really to watch. And I think Zach Sellis had 10 points. But Zach Sellis, he's... Found his shooting stroke again. I mean, he's defending pretty well. So, I mean, there were some good things to come out of that game. It'll be interesting to see if those will transition going forward. So, I guess um, next point, kind of where this leaves us. I mean, I mean, BYU right now, BYU is right in the thick of the NIT right now, which is like, oh, great, NIT. <laughs> but, I mean, as long as BYU wins their first round game in the WCC tournament, BYU probably will be in the NIT. They'll probably be uh, what the lower seeds, so they'd start on the road. But I mean, I don't think BYU's in danger of missing the NIT unless they lose that Saturday night game. Then I think then they can maybe play in the CBI, which BYU's never played in there before. So as of now, BYU should be in the NIT, but it'll, it'll be something to watch going forward. I mean, it's at this point four years in a row of the NIT. It's um, it's I mean, this, I, I looked it up. I can't remember, but it's been a long. I think it's been since like the the 90s or even the 80s since the 80s only one time it's happened BYU's missed the NCAA tournament four years in a row so I mean it's a little bit of aggression right now um and I, I mean do you feel excited at all about the NIT Phil I mean I can't imagine you're very excited about it I can't imagine the team is be very motivated for the NIT either with four years in a row yeah uh I I hope the team is motivated for the NIT I <laughs> I guess it all depends on you know what their expectations were at the beginning of the season. Yeah. According to the fan, fan expectations, it's it's been a letdown of season. But if this is where the team expected them to be, then it will be easier for them to be motivated because this is what they've been playing for for the entire season. Yeah, um, I mean, I got I got to imagine the team's been playing for the NCAA tournament. I mean, especially guys like Yoli came back for another year. I mean. Him and TJ, I mean, those are going to be go down as two top fifty BYU basketball players of all time. So, I mean, especially if Yoli decides to leave after this year, I mean, that'd be pretty disappointing to never play in it, never play in March Madness, never play in an NCAA tournament. But I mean, we'll watch the NIT because that's what we do. We watch every BYU basketball game, whether it's the blue white scrimmage or whether it's the Sweet Sixteen. But I mean, yeah, it's just kind of ho hum at this point. But I mean, the nice thing about basketball, there's always a little bit of a chance there's always that inkling of hope you could get to the you could win your conference tournament which conference tournament BYU hasn't won a conference tournament surprisingly since 2001 and BYU can never win the Mountain West they can never win the Thomas and Matt because you know they had so many home fans there but I guess we'll give a quick primer of the WCC tournament Phil and kind of 
what um, you expect to happen, what I expect to happen. So first of all, I mean, as of this recording right now, um, San Diego and Portland are playing. So I guess for the sake of this recording, we'll assume San Diego beats Portland. <clears throat> and then Friday night, it'll be the 6-7 game. It'll be Santa Santa Clara versus um, San Diego, which will be whoever the winner of that game will play will play BYU um, in the Saturday night game in the in the quarterfinals for a chance to go to the semis. So I guess first of all, so BYU is the three seed. They tied with St. Mary's for for the second place in the WCC, but they lost the tiebreaker, so they're going to be the three seed. Um, and this six seven game, I'd rather. I think San Diego's the better team. I th- San Diego had a really interesting year. They they had some good non-conference wins, but they just kind of had some injuries and some bad luck. They got the seven seed, but I think they're probably the they're almost as talented as San Francisco. I think. So I think they're they kind of always scare me a little bit. I think I'd rather play Santa Clara. But if San Diego if BYU does end up playing San Diego, that'd be three games and three nights for San Diego. It's I mean you gotta imagine by the second half of the BYU game they'd be totally just gassed. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah. So I mean I. Th- I think San Diego wins. I think, I mean, Santa Clara is a good team too. They they beat San Francisco. They beat some good teams this year. But I think San Diego would be the tougher game. But I think either way, my prediction, I think BYU wins that Saturday game and plays in the semifinals against St. Mary's. I mean, going back to last year, I mean, BYU is the same thing. BYU is a three seed, played the two seed. St. Mary's in the semis. I mean, that was when St. Mary's was quite a bit better. And BYU, I mean, that was Yoli just torched him. I think he had like three or four threes that game and BYU upset them, take to the finals and ultimately, of course, lose to Gonzaga. So it kind of is trending towards that same thing. Um, I think ultimately though, I think St. Mary's is a, is not as quite as good as they were last year, but they've been improving the past month of the season. And I, th- I think St. Mary's would ultimately beat BYU. Um, They've been playing really well the past month of the season. I mean, they got that bye, so they're going to have a little bit more rest. And Jordan Ford and Malik Fitz, it's a really good duo for them. And I think ultimately, I think it'd be a close game, but I think they'd ultimately beat BYU in the semis, which is what I hate saying. I think BYU totally could beat St. Mary's. But um, yeah, ultimately my prediction is BYU wins their Saturday game and then loses to St. Mary's in the semis ultimately to get a and then BYU gets like a, the last spot. BYU gets a seven seed in the NIT. So I don't know, I'm hoping you're a little more optimistic, Phil. Do you think BYU could at least reach the finals? What's your official prediction? Okay, so my official prediction, I kind of start out a little differently than you. I think Santa Clara will beat San Diego tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so I think BYU will play Santa Clara on Saturday. I think, you know, BYU should be able to handle Santa Clara. They did so in the regular season, you know, this back in January, but, you know, they won by six. And in that game, Baxter, Gavin Baxter only played four minutes, and Nick Emery had zero points on 0-3 shooting. And so if those two, mm-hmm. if those two mm-hmm. additions are able to step up, I think they make a, a big difference from earlier in the season. And so in that way, BYU will be able to go through Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. And then... Oh, I I like our chances against St. Mary's. Yeah, and I like it. <laughs> like as I'm saying that, I'm starting to doubt myself again. Uh, yeah. BYU versus St. Mary's is it's always a flip flop for me. I never know totally who, ha- who has the upper hand. Um, 
but I really, I really liked the way that BYU performed against St. Mary's uh, mm-hmm. in the Marriott Center, and I think, you know, St. Mary's has been improving over the season, and BYU, while their team success may have, you know, faltered with the loss to San Francisco and um, and Gonzaga, their individual performers are have really stepped up over the the last month or two of the season. Um, and then it'll be on a neutral court, and with with those with BYU and St. Mary's being so close and talented as they are, it, it does get to be a toss up. And I don't know. And I'm gonna have to. I'll pick BYU to beat St. Mary's and advance to the finals. If, okay. If only to lose by a lot to Gonzaga. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think we're both in agreement. BYU would get rolled in the finals by Gonzaga, just based on what we saw and how good Gonzaga is. I, I go back and forth. I think the biggest key is how healthy is Gavin Baxter going to be. Um, he didn't play Saturday versus San Diego. He got he got some sort of bug. I'm not sh- I'm not sure what it is. I almost I mean I think I heard there's like a flu going around in Utah. I don't know. Are you? Is there a yeah. flu going around Utah, Phil? So. I don't know if around Utah, but definitely around BYU. And two weeks ago, you know, a week before Gavin Baxter got sick, like half of the BYU men's volleyball team was sick with the flu. Huh. So I, I wonder if, you know, assuming here that it might be spreading around that way, you know, huh. who's to say? Yeah, interesting. But it is it is an interesting coincidence. Yeah, yeah. I had a sneaking suspicion it could be mono. But that's totally just my theory. Who knows? Um, but I mean, either way, he didn't play versus San Diego. He didn't practice that whole week. Um, Coach Rose is saying that he's going to play this week. He'll play Saturday. He'll play Saturday. He won't be a hundred percent. But I think BYU could get past that game with or without Gavin Baxter. I mean, we just saw BYU beat San Diego by fourteen with Gavin Baxter not even on the floor. But I think the St. Mary's game. I think the biggest. The biggest key, if Gavin Baxter, I don't think he'll be 100% healthy, but if he was like 90% plus healthy, I'd probably pick BYU to win. But just because, just kind of reading between the lines too, even what Coach Quincy Lewis said on BYU Sports Nation um, late or earlier this week, I think, uh, Monday, he's he was expecting Baxter to play. He just didn't sound super high on his, um, just where he was at physically. So that... It's kind of where my reservations are right now because I think BYU and St. Mary's are super even. Um, I mean, computer-wise, St. Mary's is higher in most of the rankings. But I mean, on the court, they're pretty much it's a toss-up. They both have really good duos. With they have St. Mary's has Ford and Fitz. BYU has Haas and and TJ and Yoli. So I mean, mm-hmm. those guys kind of cancel each other out. So I mean, yeah. but for me, I, I yeah, I just don't know where Gavin is, and because of that, as much as it pains so, me, that's why I'd pick St. Mary's. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. so. What percentage of Gavin Baxter do you need to have to be better to be better than a 100% Luke Worthington? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a good point. I if, mean, if Gavin, if Gavin Baxter at 70, 75% is better than a 100% Luke Worthington, then I'm okay with an 80, 85% Gavin Baxter. And just one little wrinkle. The the game against Santa Clara in January was the was a Luke Worthington game where he scored 13 points and so mm. if if Luke can give us that same type of production in that Saturday game and give Gavin you know two more days to really 
get healthy for the Monday night game against St. Mary's, that could be real important, really important. Yeah. That's a good point. I, I'd at least like to see Gavin at least get maybe like 15 minutes in that Saturday game, just to at least, you know, kind of get his legs under him a little bit, kind of get back into basketball shape. I mean, we don't, I don't think we want to play in 30 minutes, but I think even like 15 to 18 minutes would be good. Just kind of get his legs under him. And, and then, yeah, like you said, if Luke could step up, give him some more rest. But yeah, no, that's a good point. I think even if he's 70% versus, uh, St. Mary's, I think he's an asset. I just don't know if that's enough to put BYU over the hump. But yeah. I mean, so I could totally see BYU being St. Mary's, but I mean, I I think BYU loses in the semis. So yeah. overall, I think, I mean, I just want BYU to get to the finals because, I mean, if you get to the finals, I mean, throw everything out the window. It's like, of course, Gonzaga is way better, but at least you at least want to have that chance. It's like, hey, one game. We win this. We go to the NCAA tournament. We have literally nothing to lose. Let's go out and play. Let's shoot, have the best game of our lives. Let's all shoot crazy from three. Maybe Gonzaga will get ice cold and maybe hell will freeze over. Heaven will freeze over, however you want to say it. And BYU beats Gonzaga and we're going dancing and just like, what the heck is happening? That I, you, you just want to get to the final game and at least one game, who knows what could happen. So, I yeah. mean, that's what I hope to see. I just want to see BYU get there Tuesday in the final game. Just, hey, roll the ball out there. Maybe BYU should have the game of their lives. But, I mean, that's what yeah. I want to see, at least. Yeah. That's I, all you could hope for. I love I love your optimism, Robbie, but you're going to need that type of miracle <laughs> for BYU to lose by less than 15 points. Uh, totally. I mean, I, uh, I <laughs> don't expect that to happen at all. I just at least want that opportunity to be there. Just, hey, BYU's crazier things have happened. I mean, I don't expect it to happen at all, but hey, that's why you play the games. That's why they're not play on paper. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, yeah, that was a fun episode, Phil. I mean, we we missed Steve. I mean, you better be listening to us, Steve. Even though you're sick on your bed, I hope you're listening to Shut Up and Jimmer as you start your day Friday morning, whether you're at home or you commute to work. We miss you. But to our loyal listeners, we thank you. It's March Madness. Thank you for sticking through us starting in november i guess what four months later here in march so almost to end of the season but we'll we'll be back next week hopefully we have we'll probably be previewing the nit maybe it will we'll record tuesday night if BYU gets a miracle and beats gonzaga we'll do a (laughs) podcast first thing in the morning release it on wednesday but we'll be back we're loyal loyal strong and true we wear the white and blue Shout out to Phil. Thank you, Phil, for joining us. Yeah, it was a fun episode. Yeah, it was. And until next week, go Cougars.